0: around the world. Never give up in whatever thing you're doing. Caring for the vulnerable, fighting for human rights, providing education in conflict zones.
1: You don't know what you've done with your generosity.
0: A nonprofit started decades ago by Bob Goff.
1: Here's a simple version, love your neighbor.
0: Together we are Love Does, and this is the Love Does Podcast. Welcome to the Love Does podcast. My name is Jody Luke and I'm the executive director of Love Does. And today is really exciting because this is our first ever Love Does podcast. And there are so many stories that are so wonderful behind Love Does and all the people that create them. So we thought we'd do a podcast so that we could share them with more of you. And today's our first episode. You only get one chance to have your first episode. And so we thought we'd start from the very beginning. And in the beginning, there was Bob. (laughs) What a
1: disappointment. And then God said, let's have a do-over.
0: No, (laughs) not true. Not true. (laughs) Bob Goff is our founder, and he is a best-selling author of Love Does and Everybody Always. And he's also a uh, speaker and a coach and a professor, uh, a consul and an attorney, and a a husband, and a father, and a grandfather, so many titles. But Bob, I'll say this, you are a great encourager. You're a great encourager to me. And I think when you couple that with, Uh, just your your unique way that you see the world and your availability, you've really changed the course of so many people's lives. So it's an honor to call you a friend Uh, and to have you on the podcast. And so welcome. Yeah, so good to be
1: with you. I love that God takes all of our titles and accomplishments and just makes confetti out of them and just celebrates the poor and the people that are hurting. And so uh, not just executive director, you are like the uh, big kahuna. You're like the one that's doing it. I work for you. So this is year twenty two, I think, of volunteering for Love Does and I'm looking forward to continuing to.
0: I remember when you called and I had <laughs> Look, come. and i had we that tinkling to... feeling i think in my stomach that was like i think my life was pretty busy at that time and i thought this is something i have to do and i'm so glad that i said yes we've yeah. had some amazing you're about to be
1: economically downwardly mobile
0: <laughs> it's all been down into
1: the left It was since then thank you for leaving your like high-powered yeah. cpa what was the name of the Big
0: Price Waterhouse. Price waterhouse for yes.
1: Sakes. I, like I worked at Arby's. Um, but uh, to bring that to uh, the serious issues uh, across uh, many countries where kids are hurting and they're caught in the middle of civil wars. So, right person, right time. And we've had plenty of people that have rotated through. And uh, I'm just so glad that you're the one. Um, mm-hmm. How many years have we been hanging out together at Love Dust?
0: Well, I think it's pretty cool when you can count your friendship in decades, and I think it's been maybe 12, 13 years at Love Does, so it's wow. been a, a hot minute. Hasn't it? That is for sure. Yeah,
1: pretty soon you, I'll get old and I'll just start saying, just the other day.
0: Yeah, and that <laughs> but was the, uh,
1: But the important part for people uh, to get to know is that uh, Love Does is in many countries. What? How many countries are you in now?
0: 13 countries, and maybe you could speak to that a little bit. You started... Love Does, it was Restore International back then, and then we changed the name to Love Does. But why did you start it in the first place? Like, what was going on?
1: Yeah, nobody would have me. Um, And so I bet people that are listening can relate to that. You've got this ambition. I was a lawyer at the time, and I liked being a lawyer all right. Um, But we were in the process, some people know, of taking our kids to meet these leaders in different uh, parts of the world. Um, Just not as a lark, but I wanted the kids to – be exposed to the world so every time British Airways would have some $50 ticket, to If you could get to London, then you can get a cheap flight somewhere. So we would do these, like, bargain basement tickets there. And we started seeing the world, and I started seeing kids that were the age of my kids that were in these awful circumstances. So I came back and asked a bunch of terrific outfits. I won't mention all their names. (laughs) I don't want to cast them in a bad light. But it was just good judgment on their part to not have me work for them. And so having no takers, I said, we're just gonna do it ourselves. So sometimes you just decide to start. Um, Instead of thinking like the door was shut or all these metaphors that uh, people use, I I just think like, just shoot the hinges off, go full Dallas on it. Um, And just to say, I'm gonna just make some stuff happen.
0: Well, you've done that a number of times in your life. I think about Love Does and you are a remarkable storyteller. You tell stories in a way that make people laugh and cry and see their life and their faith in a totally different way. I know I, I have done that. Um, you, you wrote Love Does I think in your late 30s, maybe early 40s, so kind of later. I know life was busy, you had three kids. How did you decide to write a book? Why did you wanna do it? And then what did it, it feel like for you when it started selling like hotcakes?
1: Yeah, it felt like my career cratered. <laughs> I <laughs> was a pretty good lawyer. I was shuttling between San Diego and Seattle each day to work, and then I would run home at dinner, and then I'd run back up the next day. And, um, and that gave me plenty of time to answer emails and write down stories. And, and so um, as people connected with the idea, I think just a lot of people, uh, me included, have felt uh, what I would describe as church-adjacent. So i wasn't raised in the church i'm not wasn't against it i wasn't for it i was just kind of just the guy across the street and so i wanted to write a book uh, for the person across the street mm. looking in but not with all the attitude but with a lot of hopes about their relationships and and then curious about uh things of faith but i wasn't trying to talk people either into or out of jesus i think Like I make a lousy evangelical. I don't think we lead people to Jesus. I think Jesus leads people to Jesus. Mm -hmm. We just speak to people plainly.
0: Well, Um, it obviously resonated because it became a New York Times bestseller. And then you wrote another one. And then you wrote more books. And I think we're up to four million sold, right? (laughs) Different (laughs) units sold between all the studies and all the things. So (laughs) clearly your words have crossed over that's nuts and, and you could get a, a bunch used of one
1: at a used bookstore for a nickel
0: <laughs> well it's pretty remarkable bob it is and uh it makes me think so then with all of the popularity of love does we changed the name from restore international yeah
1: to that love just does. made sense yeah. yeah because people were like so what's restore plus in many of the countries that we're working uh at under your leadership like the uh, they will be countries the islamic republic of afghanistan the like insert here and so people will be curious and cautious about who you are and so translated love does like love translated into every language is really safe Mm. and so sometimes people ask like so why don't you have these big missional statements and a bunch of bible verses it's for the same reason i don't put them in my books uh, that I just want everyone to feel welcome. And it didn't go in light on doctrine. It's just going big on Jesus. Mm-hmm. To just figure if Jesus is going to lead people to Jesus, what we could do is to find the things that he's nuts about, and he's nuts about kids. He doesn't seem to like lawyers very much, but he's nuts about kids. So I'm just proud of what you and the team have been doing in all these places.
0: I love it. We're in 13 countries all over the world. Some really kind of crazy places like Afghanistan and Somalia and Congo, wonderful people, Burkina Faso, uh, Uganda. We just got back from doing a really remarkable Last trip. Yeah, yeah. We met with the first lady and the chief justice. I say in this role, I have a lot of once in a lifetime moments often. Uh, But they're really just back to back to back. But this was a trip that I think I'll remember for always. But tell us how you got started in Uganda and sort of catch us up to where we are now.
1: Yeah, yeah. So uh, the first place that Love Does launched was in India. Um, And we were doing some stuff there. And then um, some young people that I knew had just uh, started an organization that was uh, helping uh, bring some attention to what's going on in Uganda. And they immediately got in trouble. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> I mean, capital T. And so I went over to help kind of sort out some of that. And and since I was over there, I thought I'm gonna to go to the courthouse and uh and because I imagine these guys will end up there. <laughs> so I met the uh, this judge who had all these guys with machine guns out in front of his door, and I was thinking, I wonder who that is. Um and so but I figured that must be where the juice is. So I like navigated between these guys. And I got to the same office that you and I uh, were at last week. Uh, And it was, it turns out it was the chief justice of their Supreme court. And so I asked the secretary, I said, could I go in? I've just traveled 17 thousand miles. I don't have an appointment. And she said one moment. And then all of a sudden she opened the door and he had his head down working on something. And, uh, and then he looked up and, um, I just like, there was this, uh, connection. I don't think he felt a connection. I certainly felt a connection to love and justice. And we just had a great conversation about kids and justice and all of Northern Uganda, all the courts had been shut down for, uh, 15 years. Um, and uh, so we just started talking. It was a great conversation. When we end, I gave him this great big bear hug. And he, you know, when you hug somebody and they're not mm. into it, like pretty much everybody in New York. So I gave him this great big bear hug, and he said, "This is why I have guys with machine guns." <laughs> and so it started this 20-year friendship. Uh, and every time I see him now, I give him a great big bear hug. He's retired. And they have a new uh, terrific chief justice, and he has the same heart for people and kids and all that. So what I found um, is that if you get to know, kind of like in the book of Acts, one unschooled ordinary person and one person in a position of power in each country. So I can say in each of the countries, um, know some unschooled ordinary people. This was uh, Acts 10. They saw the courage of Peter and John, and they knew they'd been with Jesus. Mm -hmm. But they said, but aren't these just unschooled, ordinary guys? And he goes, so find those people, and those are the ones you trust, and then find people in power, and those are the people who are there to help.
0: I sure love our ordinary, unschooled men and women that we get to work with around the world. I actually think they're pretty remarkable. We have to challenge
1: that a little bit when you think of the credentials, like, uh, are Uganda directors, an attorney, or... Uh, Out of all these uh, teachers we have, we we had a show of hands. Like, who has a master's degree? Uh (laughs) Everybody's like, (sighs) like who has a doctorate? And like, there's something really beautiful. Like, we're not messing around with, uh, like, we're not doing papier mache. We're doing physics, we're doing chemistry, we're doing astrophysics. Well, I love that
0: because you've always called us to excellence in everything that we're doing. And fast forward in Uganda, 10, 15 years there, there's now this beautiful school that's popped up. And it didn't just pop up. There was a lot of really generous people that jumped in along the way. Yeah, When we were walking around, you think of them and you think of sort of the legacy in there. And now we have a big project coming up. Can you speak to kind of what we're launching in Uganda now and kind of the opportunity of what that's going to look like? Yeah, people. we
1: broke ground on a university. We've been uh, giggling with tongue in cheek, but uh, kind of seriously about going from diapers to doctorate. Yeah, uh, to have these places, it's one of the one of those kind of like, can anything good come out of Nazareth? So, Gulu was the epicenter in the north of this 25-year civil war. Every uprising starts in the north and sweeps to the south. That is why we have a 12-foot-high, three-foot-thick wall around the entire, what, 80 acres, whatever it is. It is is a big wall. It's a big wall. totally went full Nehemiah on that one. So um, the uh, next step in this process was get these graduates of ours into positions of power and leadership and uh, parliament and doctors and lawyers. And we thought, why don't we build our own? Mm -hmm. So we we did. We're breaking ground. Uh, And we... uh, uh, are totally serious about this. I passed Jody a note at, the, uh, at our gathering, and it just said uh, these words, we're building a zoo. <laughs>
0: this is Bob. This is what it's like to work with Bob. And Watch. you just go, really? Yes. And yes, it does. Oh,
1: we're totally starting with giraffes. Like things that are easy to find if they get away. Like, you wouldn't want, like, Mm. a snake. If it got away, you wouldn't want to find it in the first place. But, like, uh, animals that don't bite people, like lions and all that, make a bad headline. But a giraffe, you'd be like, anybody seen this, like, 80-foot tall, (laughs) (laughs) long neck? Well,
0: of course, they wanted to do a bobcat after you. But maybe we'll start with giraffe. And that's why people love you. You know, and a story along that line was when we were in Uganda, we had a dinner one of the nights at the chief justice's house. They were really doing a dinner to, to honor you and Danny and a lot of what you all have done to influence the judiciary there in a really wonderful way. And so it was this beautiful night and uh, a lot of the judges in the area and officials, it was a lot of security. I think if you were gonna do something to the government of Uganda, that would have been the place to to do something that night. But you got up to speak On justice. And so it was kind of a more serious speech, and in the middle, You know, there had been some Ugandan uh, dancers on the side. You grab some maracas and you start shaking them. And then you start a Congo light. I don't know how you do a Congo line in Uganda, but it works. It works. And you're going around and you're calling all these judges to be a part of it. They did not want to be a part of it at first. But you then grab some candlesticks and you're doing the silly dance in the front. And you're making everybody laugh. And I don't think anyone thought that that's what they would be doing that night. And they will remember that night with such a big smile. And you do that with everything. You bring joy and whimsy, confetti cannons, balloons. Why is that important to be injecting all of that in some of these places that we work?
1: Yeah, I think it's the, um, it's some, and, uh, there's a veneer of like just silly and yippy skippy and all that. But I would call it like a strategic whimsy that underneath a veneer of happy, there's like a mile of intention and purpose and strategy. And so if you can embrace both of them, hold both of them, in your hands at the same time, like joy and serious, love and justice, hope and sadness. Like uh, this is the paradox of faith. This is the paradox of life that we have. Uh, relationships can be so filled with joy and so incredibly tricky and painful and confusing and ambiguous and so you're just positive about this but then there's all the ambiguity over here and so i think sometimes embracing that in just a moment of joy i mean here there we got a 50 of the top uh, judges in the entire country uh in this big circle like yes. oh,
0: bye. <laughs> Yes, <laughs> you were so loving fun. it. It was such a great picture of you with a smile and you do it better than almost anybody. And it really is true. I have three kids. I've got one uh, who's at, uh, at Baylor. And I remember the day that I dropped her off, uh, that I was so uh, incredibly happy for her best, and so sad for myself. And ever, that yeah. having that tension with those two really intense opposite emotions, yes. you describe that and you live that. All the time, really, really well. And
1: I think like each of us wants to experience all of those. Like I'm a pretty happy, upbeat guy, so I'm not like looking for pain. Um, but I think with the joy that maybe we've experienced, we can endure and we can enter into somebody's uh, difficult uh, times. Like with this, any modicum of certainty that you have, you can enter into their ambiguity. Um, mm-hmm. Instead of saying you need to think like me about faith or about virtue or about pick whatever it is, but then go to these places to learn. Um, In uh, Uganda, we were uh, laughing with one of the friends, uh, and even the chief justice was part of this, that when a a man wants to propose to him and they want to get married, the man actually crawls on his hands and knees with his friends about 300 yards
0: (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. <laughs>
1: Further depending on how much you like her. So you start hundreds of yards away and you start crawling towards the house on your hands and knees. And when you arrive, they completely ignore you. They just blow you up like, who is this man? Get him out of here. Somebody call him. And then uh, you're trying to get the dad to say, okay. And you're talking about the dowry, like how many cows. And if you need the mom to chime in and say something, you have to pay her to chime in like hundred thousand shillings and she'll put in a good word for you. And
0: sometimes you have to bring some unique gifts. Do you yes. remember this?
1: Oh yeah, in central Uganda, a leg of hind a leg. hind yeah. leg of a cow and a rocking chair, right? Makes sense. Yeah, and in uh in northern Uganda, you just bring the cows and the goats and if the negotiations break down, you need to crawl away <laughs> and crawl back. So I just think like to be a student of those things and to say Wow, I could see that. That's the power of stories. That's Matthew 13. said that Jesus never spoke to anybody without telling them a story. And what we're tempted to do in uh, faith gatherings is to sit in rows rather than circles and to tell uh, information. And I got all the information I need. Mm -hmm. Um, Unless it turns out water is bad for you, I'm fully informed. Um, But what I want is some inspiration. Just tell me not uh, about four words in love or about love in Greek. Just tell me somebody who's uh, done some act of selfless love.
0: Speaking of stories, you have found conflict and post-conflict zones as places that that you really wanted to work, that you almost saw that the biggest opportunity for change could come in those countries and in those places. And I think of some of the people that have been impacted. Are there any that just popped to mind uh, or maybe just types of people. I think of the launch students.
1: Yeah, I'm just thinking, as you mentioned that, of Obomo, who's mm-hmm. a great kid. His parents have been killed by the Lord's Resistance Army, and he had this ambition, and he wanted to be a lawyer. Um, ever since he was this, like, kid, like he was, like, years from being able to drive. And uh, And to sit with him last week, and he's now a lawyer, and to talk about his... Ambitions for the future. Think of a guy named Steven who was sleeping under a truck Mm. in Mm. Gulu. And he wanted to be an engineer. And uh, so he just found out there was a school. We had nine students. (laughs) I don't think eight of them wanted to be there. But Steven did. He was the ninth. uh, And now he's a structural engineer. And he has built over 50 buildings for us. To just see that whole arc, some... uh, For some students, they didn't want to go on to higher education, so they started young men drillers. And so they just started going drilling wells and putting them in everywhere. Uh, Another guy who was along with this trip, Greg, got baptized at that, like one of the wells. They call it Greg's Well. It to mm-hmm. see, like, just the arc of and the confluence of so many stories and streams.
0: There are a lot of stories. I think of even in Somalia and the former child soldiers. But in all of those places, it isn't just that they have uh, achieved something in their life that they maybe never thought that they could, but they have also done it with a character-based education that we've included there. And so you really have come out with these leaders who are capable of affecting change in a really – God-honoring way.
1: I really like the shift that, among others, that you've brought to us, uh, this idea is that we don't need to go across an ocean to get this stuff done, that we can go across the street, like, right here. I mean, to tell about some of the initiatives that you've started, like, right here. We
0: did. We expanded... uh, both internationally and then domestically in the last couple years, you know, we're now in 13 countries. But then when Afghan refugees started coming to our shores, we said, what could we do? And so you got a food truck and we became the largest provider of food to Afghan refugees, of course, (laughs) Uh, and then expanded to the Ukrainian refugees. We started a Love Does Home for single moms. We have all these outreach programs to single moms. We have this food program. And then we uh, we go up to uh, San Quentin State Prison. You started that class several years ago uh did you always want to go to prison
1: yeah i i think people just foretold that that's where,
0: <laughs> that was where you'd end I, up
1: yeah when the people were reading that book like what colors your parachute it's like what colors your cell yeah. <laughs> so mm-hmm. i don't i think people the jury was out literally uh trying to figure out what my future would be um but in matthew 25 it says uh if you want to find me find hungry people thirsty people sick people strange people naked people and people in jail, hmm. um, and so uh, rather than just agreeing with that, uh, to say, what if we like act on that? And so uh, one day I got a call from somebody at St. Quentin uh, and they, in their administration that said, "You want to come." to prison i'm like i thought i would be going to prison not like coming to prison um and then i just kept coming back and you started leading that and then it really got good once you got involved (laughs) for me it was just a great time i keep asking if i can spend the night and they said that's a hard Mm no
0: we've had some (laughs) really encouraging inspired remarkable moments there really has been
1: a, a place where i've learned a lot uh and we go really as students, uh, not as the teachers. But we will have an organizing principle, and then break into smaller groups, and that's where all the good stuff happens. I remember uh, these guys are uh, some were just totally ripped, yeah, <laughs> and because there's just not a lot to do except get totally ripped. And so um, this. Guy was like kind of laughing. I was just saying, if I had to bench press, you know, as much as you do, like that, that I, the bar would be on my throat and I'd be choking out. Um, but then I asked in the small group, like, so what do you have to get off your chest? And so each person, like, with so much clarity and mm. perspective and humility, would just go around. That's the the thing that would be surprising for people to come first time, just how clear and articulate and humble these guys are, they're not faking it. Um, They're just like super humble. And the last guy in the circle uh, paused and he said, I did it. Mm. And then every guy like paused because he said, I've been in here for 20 years and saying I got set up. It wasn't me, but I did it. Uh, And I'll tell you in that moment, he was the freest guy I've ever met. There's something beautiful about being in that kind of circle. Again, just uh, circles, not rows, uh, where you're uh, learning from these men. And um, and then it, you've got some uh, prison work in women's prisons as well. But hearing from people what they're learning along the well,
0: way. Well, there is an authenticity, authenticity. And I think the world is starving for authenticity. You know, to be real, everything is social media and what it appears to be. And you sit in those groups and those guys are genuine. They are real. They are honest. And there's a real beauty in that.
1: It's inspiring too, the leadership there from the warden on down, that they're just inspiring people like they they just love people. Well, they love God. They love these prisoners. They definitely have some guardrails about some things in every sense of the word, (laughs) a couple of the 16s. But but they also uh, just uh, uh, they bring love and authenticity and care and compassion and empathy by the boatload. Um, and that was a surprise for me because I was thinking that it's kind of this adversarial-like – but uh, the, the uh, prisoners, the inmates in this gated community have <laughs> – so many nice things to say about the leadership, and that's really remarkable.
0: Yeah, it is. But you're a risk taker. You know, you you don't seem to fear a whole lot, which is kind of wild because I think fear keeps people from probably visiting a prison or doing a lot of things. And so what do you say to the person who wants to love their neighbor but doesn't necessarily wanna fly a plane and corkscrew into... Uh, a rock, like you have to if you land a plane there <laughs> or roll the dice with the bomb in Somalia. but they want it, but they're real serious about love and action. You know, what do you say to that person? and then also do you ever get scared?
1: yeah, the the idea of um, what's your next step is to just realize that hey this is really feels unsettling to me. And so instead of saying, well, just don't be scared, like that would be like saying, don't be sad when you're like incredibly sad. Um, so, but to understand what that's connected to and Mm -hmm. to say, I understand that I really like to control my circumstances. This feels out of control. Um, and there's, I'm a long way from home here. I am not in (laughs) Kansas anymore. And so that to to get real with that, understand what it's connected to. And then that idea of faith guides your steps to take it to Jesus. Like that whole idea, like, you know, make your request known to God, um, I think he knows before you make the request, but sometimes we don't know. So if we just say, I'm freaking out, um, I would say, look, let's just get more precise. Just give me what are the four or five things that are freaking you out right now. And then once you understand what those are, then to say, what are those connected to? I'm afraid I will lose all my money if I do this. Hmm. I'm afraid I'll be living in the back of a Buick if I do this. I'm afraid... I'll lose an important relationship if i do this we need to figure out what that's connected to now we got a ball game uh, yeah. but if you just say i'm freaked out they're like i got but like but, but like tell me what that looks like and as soon as we figure out that now we're going to what great conversations to have people with people that have either um uh, experienced a lot in prison um, to say tell me what that feels like and a great thing that you and i've mm-hmm. done before is ask people what's it feel like to be you right now? Instead of just say, how are you? Because you'll get a really polite, I'm fine, how are you? But to say, what's it feel like to be you? And to say, well, it feels like to be me. It feels like to be living in constant anticipation and absolute insecurity Mm -hmm. all the time. And that always surprises people Mm because they go like, I get the anticipation part, but like the insecure part, yeah. And so I think what I've done is to medicate my insecurity I medicate it with activity, I medicate it with adventure, I medicate it so I can know oh, and that's the stuff that I'm continuing to take to God because I don't want to like medicate this I want to understand it. So once you understand it then you go like, "Oh, I get why you're like bouncing off the walls right now. This is like Activity Bob just came in and Activity Bob showed up because he's totally insecure, didn't know what he to do. So like so just do stuff. So it can come across as what a great plan. And I would say the subtitle, what an insecure guy. But I think God can use my insecurity and yours and whoever's listening. But I think we need to understand this is what's going on and then find some way to not just over-caffeinate and Red Bull out and instead to have a a sober, optimistic uh, view of what God might be doing and how he might fit in.
0: Well, I don't think you've gotten stuck in that. I think you've continued Mm -hmm. to walk forward over and over. And if you get stuck, sometimes you get paralyzed, but I think you haven't. And then I think you've just, again, like I said, you've been a great encouragement to so many people. I think of uh, there's not many people I know who have been a better advocate for women than you. And I've really benefited from that. I'm obviously in leadership. And You know, when I think about all the stuff we've done around the world, early on you started Safe Houses, we've got the Love Does Home, we've got a Women's Resource Center in the Dominican Republic, all of our schools are 60-40 women, uh, girls versus boys. Why was that a priority for you? I was just finding, and any generalization
1: uh, jumps the tracks pretty quick, Uh, but if you want a conversation, sometimes you'll find a guy, if you want to make something happen, (laughs) (laughs) Right now. <laughs> I think that's it. In uh, society, it, take Uganda, for example, uh, most of it is driven by women. Uh, they are the people that are the heads of the households. Um, they're the ones that are making things happen. Not exclusively because we've got some amazing men that are working for mm-hmm. us in Uganda. Yeah. Um, just, they all just stream to mind right now. Um, however, um, oftentimes women are disadvantaged. Some uh, some kind of parochial views of gender and gender biases. And I don't feel militant about that. I just think, well, let's just have more girls. (laughs) I don't, I don't have a black armband on instead. I say like, well, let's just go get, uh, 30 women in parliament and we'll address some of those things. So I don't think we can, uh, be as effective if we're advocating from a position of militancy like that that somebody's keeping me down and all that but to operate with resolve to say well what we decided to do under your leadership is to say we're we're going hard on uh some of these opportunities for women and we've met some courageous like Mm. uh, the women are leading what's going on in mogadishu somalia yeah you know ilwad and fortune like wow um so just find these amazing Women and uh, a lot of the team over Love Test, if you were to figure it out. They're not surprisingly, they're these go for it women. Uh, and one thing, I'm not blowing sunshine at you, but um, you make impossible things look simple. You just, you're unflappable. And I think you bring that. Uh, that isn't gender specific, but that's Jody specific. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think we just need more um, calm, collected heads looking at things and saying, how can we move the needle?
0: Well, thank you for being a consistent support. And you have been over many, many years, and it's a big deal. Uh, Love Does has been around for 20 years, and I hope it's going to be around for a whole lot more. Where do you see it going in 10, 20, 50 years?
1: Yeah, the, the less I'm involved, it seems <laughs> that there's this inverse relationship. So the best thing I could do for Love Does would be step out, but I ain't not going to Um, I want to continue to volunteer and to tag along and to um, do these uh, things, show up at places where it's helpful. Um, And so I'm going to continue to do that. My uh, belief is that we will still be like small and mighty. I mean, we have a uh, if you, you could count on one hand and probably have some fingers left over how many people we have working full time right here in the States. Now, you couldn't fill 10 buses With all the people we have working in other countries, Um, but I really foresee that model continuing, where we just don't need to raise money to cover overhead because, like royalties from a couple books, will do that. But to say let's go build a university, and so I think what will happen is it will continue to do what seemed like impossible things, uh, because we have some really capable people leading us, like you and the others, and. We'll just continue to swing for the fences. Mm. Um, and it's the one thing to have a great idea, but to be able to execute on a plan. And what I think uh, I've seen you excel at uh, is that you execute on a plan. So we say, like, great idea. Let's have six more schools in Dominican. Execute on the plan. You're going to go visit the six schools. Yeah, we're we kind got. of
0: aggressive on the doing part.
1: Yes, we go hard <laughs> yeah. on doing it because everybody's got like an opinion. They're like Priuses. <laughs> They're everywhere. But to just say what I want to do is actually activate that. And so people that uh, want to have a lot of conversations, that uh, I'm so grateful that you're involved because you can get involved in those. But I want to be like, let's just do it. Why don't we have the conversation on the way? Uh, let's have the conversation when we get there, but I don't want to go fly to another country to have a conversation. Why a school would be swell. I would say, I want to fly to another country to meet the class that's already in session. Um, so, uh, so I find that we're hopefully we're kind about that, but we're definitely heavy on like, let's get her done.
0: Yeah, we have a lot of great meetings on planes yes. when we're going to do something. Flying like flying hey, at 500 go. miles we'll, we'll an hour,
1: writing down the agenda <laughs> on a barf bag. Like,
0: <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> There's been quite know. a few of those. <laughs> well, hey, I want to uh, – so many people have read Love Does, everybody always. I thought it would be fun to sort of end the podcast by doing a Where Are They Now? You know, there's so many stories that are really oh, remarkable. Yeah. Nice. So I'm going to throw out a topic and you just do a quick, okay. uh, where are they now? And if you haven't read Love Does or Everybody Always, they should totally pick it up. It's a quick read and then revisit this because I think it'll yes. be fun. Okay, so are you ready? Yeah, fire. It's okay. awesome. Two Bunk John.
1: Two Bunk John. Uh, John Niemeyer is now this high-powered lawyer, uh, a father of several kids, married to an amazing woman, and uh, they're living in San Diego, and his heart still beats Mm. for Uganda. You just show him, even at the graduation, he's sending us pictures of the first time he stepped on the land. uh, And we're showing him herringbone walkways and 80 buildings.
0: It was awesome. (laughs) All right, Charlie.
1: Charlie, 20, uh, now graduating uh, from his last year of what would be high school in our system, but they're on the British system. Uh, and doing well. Uh, Yeah, the rumor is there's a girl that he is sweet on.
0: (laughs) How about that? Who knew? Yeah, I know. Tyler, the photog with dreads had to be cut off. We oh, Somalia.
1: yes, Tyler. What a good guy. Yeah, when I've heard of him, it's like these dreads like down to his waist. I'm like, dude, you're going to get shot in the face if you step off a plane in Mogadishu looking like that. And then they're going to come gunning for me. Um, and we're still palling around. He was with you yeah. and I in Africa last week. You nabbed him to go to I Nepal. Mean... And then he was off to India and he was in Congo for us. And, yes, yeah, so he's still amazing. out there being awesome. Humble. Just great guy.
0: Have you sailed to Hawaii again? Now you know the difference between North and True North.
1: Yes. I, I haven't done. Uh, we've done two trips there and back, uh, but we haven't gone a third time, but I'm itching to.
0: All right. In the future, what about do you still have your office at Disneyland?
1: still go there pretty often they did away with season passes for a little mm. bit but now they've uh, like reinstated them so we're up there with 85 people I think in a week or so
0: yeah coming up
1: <laughs> I like bringing bring people yeah we'll uh, meet outside of Disneyland and we'll rent like something in downtown Disney and then we'll have our gatherings in Disneyland mm. so if you want to talk about your future there's somebody in Tomorrowland and talk about your biggest fear there'll be somebody at the Haunted Mansion is I love it, that where They haven't actually given us permission, but I'm like, sue me.
0: Do you miss practicing
1: law? Not a bit, but I feel like <laughs> I still do it. I just don't get paid to do it.
0: <laughs> it's awesome. Yeah.
1: So I don't like actually practice because you can't give people advice if you're not licensed. It'd be like having a surgeon do an appendix like mm-hmm. removal and then mm-hmm. find out they're not licensed. Even if they didn't leave the sponge in, that would be unsettling. So I'll just say, go ask your lawyer this. If they don't say yes, you got the wrong lawyer.
0: I love it. I love it. How about are you still in touch with any of the world leaders you met during that kid writing campaign? Oh, heck yeah.
1: Oh, even Hmm. with uh, some of the current events that have been unfolding in the Middle East, uh, there's one guy that did something that uh, I was a little bit out of shape for him. In fun, but it was actually a little bit like really. <laughs> so uh, he turns out he's out an 18 wheeler. I don't think I told you that was a deal I cut over the weekend. No. Uh, uh, one 18 wheeler full of food into this uh, place where there's a lot of distress right now. That's how we resolved my dispute. I said I'm not done with you, but this is think of this as a down payment. All f- you know, we'll fill it full of food, but you need to chip in the
0: truck. <laughs> this happens a lot. I and find out a, a lot of things. Yeah. I'm like, well, wow. <laughs> How did that happen? Uh, now that you're a grandfather, will you do 10-year-old adventures with your grandkids? Oh, heck yeah.
1: Yeah, if I'm not in a jar somewhere, I'm going to just continue to do this. And I've decided no jars for me for the like the ashes going for an hourglass. I don't know if that's brilliant or morbid or a little of both. But um, I just want to uh, like pull behind our kids as they're raising mm-hmm. their kids because they're doing such a magnificent job. If they just say that there's something I could do to be helpful, then I'll do that.
0: Are you still doing the New Year's parade where everybody participates and nobody watches?
1: Everybody in, nobody watching, kind of just like judges at Ugandan gatherings. Uh, When it's time to dance, everybody dances, nobody watches. So, yeah, yeah. So this will be the 28th year, I think, this this. Uh, January 1st.
0: All the stories. I love it. And we definitely have to end with how is Sweet Maria?
1: She's doing uh, remarkably well. Uh, she, uh, it's like living with Tigger, because uh, I'm like bouncing around and she's just like super clear on what her uh, mission is in life it's me and the kids and the people they married and the people they made. And that is her focus and it shows she knows why she's doing what she's doing. And well, so-
0: it is, but I have to add on to it. She is now a member of the board, yes, which I is. love, and she's yeah. gotten involved with our Love Does Home, and I really value her insight and wisdom and support. You know, I met her 25 years ago. I think I met her before I met you. And it's a pretty cool thing to have had so many shared experiences over the years and to have her a little bit more involved. Yeah.
1: She's the wise owl. Like when she's, when I talk and people are like grinning or like looking at iPhones and e- emails they need to answer. But when she talks, everybody listens. <laughs> it's just like the Oracle yeah. has spoken. So, and she's got this wisdom and calmness and humility uh, that I think is part of this rich mix of why we, Can make some things happen why there's Mm. stability in the things that we do is we just have a bunch of the right people who are settled into and clear about what are the most important things to them and so i would even say that for people listening to just know what's your most important thing and the most important thing is to be like somebody else It's to be like what god made you to be because if you act like somebody else, you think about that, God doesn't know that person because he didn't make that one. He just made you. So to be known by God is to be like to just, just get and It isn't to be wrapped around an axle in endless introspection, but just be aware and just say, OK, so what's my courageous move today? Uh, mm-hmm. And everybody's steps don't need to look the same.
0: Well, thank you for encouraging so many people for so many years, including myself. And I, you really do believe in people and you see their capabilities even more than maybe they do. And it, it makes them have, deeper relationships, really deeper faith, more meaningful lives, and a lot more joy, I know I do, from being associated with you. And I will say also, just thanks for starting Love Does, all those years ago, for making that courageous step and for doing extraordinary things around the world. It is true, I think hungry have been fed, and uh, sick people have gotten medicine, incarcerated women, children, widows, orphans, all of them, not all, I mean, a lot of them are in a lot better place, uh, really, because of you. And so you're... In impact, it's hard to even quantify it, but it's remarkable. So I just think, thank
1: you. you, But uh, I just think of this huge us thing going on from a law partner, Danny DeWall, to just saying, hey, let's do more than just make money practicing law. Let's like, see, can we make a difference? And then all the people that got in the conga line and then all the people like you that led it and all the people that joined in and then students who bought in, thousands and thousands Mm. of them sitting in chairs right now. Like that just inspires me to think there's thousands and thousands of kids in chairs and they, they're they studying at night under lights that somebody else provided to like solar lights so that they can get the education because they want to make moves. And collectively, what we did is we made it possible for them to go after their dreams.
0: Yeah, I really think of all the people that jumped in over the years. We have a really generous Love Does community. And we couldn't have done it without them. And I'm really excited about some of these next things we have coming up because I think it's going to be really special yeah, to do it with them it's too. It's pretty flat
1: uh, org chart we have right here too. Everybody takes out the garbage. It
0: <laughs> well, Well, hey, thank you, you, and thank you for being my friend. Yeah, come it is on, really let's keep the, this up. the privilege of my life. And thanks for your time today. First ever Hope episode. By <laughs> by. Thanks, Bob.
1: Hey, everybody. It's Bob Goff here. Uh, I've been part of this great caper called Love Does for quite a while. Uh, And I want to thank you for listening to this podcast. If you want to have some more information about Love Does, you can go to lovedoes.org. You can also email hello at lovedoes.org. Thanks for listening to the podcast. Here's the important part. Do something, whatever that is. Don't just agree with what you heard. What's your next courageous step? See you later.